0: Hello and welcome to the Charmed Life Podcast. This podcast is all about magic, metaphysics, mysticism, and the unconditional love of the universe. And I am your host. My name is Trisha Carr. I'm really excited to bring you this episode. It is a conversation with saruda who has been on the program two other times so this is our third time of getting together and chatting about so many amazing different things but let me tell you about saruda he is a spiritual teacher and an exorcist and we actually don't talk about exorcism on on this particular episode but we do in the previous ones. so if you would like to catch those episodes, you can find the link in the description to the two podcasts and uh, po- perhaps also two videos. I know I have at least one of those on YouTube, a section of those videos, so you could check us out in face-to-face kind of contact there. Well, let me tell you a little more about Saruda. He is a student of the Theravada lineage under Master Pong Sak and Master Thanapol Pakti. He has experienced years of experience and training with the inner door secrets of Thai Buddhist magic. In this episode, this conversation, we talk about so many different aspects of magical Uh, philosophy and manifestations both kind of sharing back and forth different evidences that we've had and we start by talking about the nature spirit realm which is like you know true to my my life my soul my heart anyway so i hope that you enjoyed this and you know what i will chat with you on the other side so please do enjoy this conversation with the sadhu (music) Da. Well, welcome back. Nice to see you again. I'm really excited to catch up. I know it hasn't been that long, but you are just always doing so much that we always have a lot to catch up on. So what's going on with you? How are you doing? Oh,
1: I'm I'm doing great. And it's awesome to be back. I just love the back and forth that we have. Me too. You know, I, I swear every month, It's like a year for me, as far as experience (laughs) and the things I get into. It's just really unpredictable.
0: I love it. (laughs) And well, how about in case people didn't hear the previous episodes? I, of course, in the intro, I tell them a little bit about you. But yeah, like tell them about your journey. You know, what you're doing, what are you working on, and everything. But also just catch up on, (laughs) catch up with me, catch up with the audience as if they've never (laughs) met you, and then catch up with me.
1: So I, I had a, you know, a long uh, journey before mm-hmm. this journey I'm currently on, mm-hmm. where I studied with many different Buddhist monks, um, a couple I became, you know, an apprentice or a disciple, if you will, underneath, which was Master Pong Sok, uh, who is a venerable monk, and Master Thanapho And they are more along the lines of like the Kamerlana forest tradition of monks mm-hmm. uh, versus the... Mainstream Theravadan um, Thai tradition mm-hmm. of monkhood. So we see a lot more practice of magic, um, sanye, metta, charm, working with plants, working with spirits, things of that nature. And it's not generally the Buddhism that most people think of. So when I say, you know, I specialize in Buddhist magic and I'm a Thai shaman. A lot of people's ears perk up because they're like, that's something I'm not familiar with. So if you have any interest in that and you're new to the Sadhu Da, please go back and see the other two episodes (laughs) me and Tricia did because they are (laughs) quite a story. Yes. (laughs)
0: Yes, <laughs> we had a great time in both of them, and I—I I, I mean, that's why—that's why we, you know, we ha- we were magnetized to one another. Is all of that shamanism, all of the nature magic, and everything, because that's—that's what we both vibe on hard, right? <laughs> Hardcore.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's literally my life. <laughs> yeah,
0: me too. You know what I've been doing? Uh, so. You know, I'm uh, I'm very much connected, and I work very much with the nature spirit realm, nature spirit realm, like the devic the devic realm, the devas and fairies, or you know, these are called different things in all different uh, you know constructs or or paradigms. So, but I just refer to them as like the fay or the fairy, and of course the devas. And I just started. I was I was actually in. A, a personal service, I was getting my eyelashes done and just <laughs> that's what I, not, not very spiritual, just kind of very human. And all of a sudden, but it's the time I get to like, I, I will just meditate for the whole time and started flying in where all of these different kinds of nature spirits, really in the fae realm, sprites, pixies, fairies, and they started telling me their names and then they started like just kind of reciting. Kind of poetic and rhythmic stuff because they wanted to, you know, play with me. And so I started channeling fairy attunements and I'll, I want to share them with you sometime. So
1: <laughs> I, I'm interested in that. Yeah. Uh, it, it's funny you mentioned that because, um, you know, recently I had uh, taken a longtime student and put them through um, an initiation into um, the Ajarn uh, lineage of uh, Thai sorcery and uh, Buddhist magic. And there was an interesting thing that occurred. Uh, I will send you the picture through email after this episode. Uh, So I took a, I took a selfie, you know, after we did this ritual and there was this figure in the picture and I'm not in the picture at all. You can't even see me. And there's this figure in front of the picture and he looks like this old man. Mm. And I, later that night I had a dream and in that dream, there were these monks meditating all around me and chanting kata. Mm. And they were sitting like in, in each monk placed point was forming a geometric pattern of the flower of life. Mm. And in the middle was the old man that was in that photo. Oh. And he spoke to me. And I don't really remember a lot of the conversation, but I remember what was important. So I, uh, you know, I'd reached out and uh, I'd sent the picture to one of my masters and come to find out. Um, so my grandmaster, Master Thanifol's master, who's still alive, doesn't even know how old he is. He's so old. He's a hundred something. He's literally <laughs> forgotten his his age. And he doesn't oh. have a birth certificate. So we have no idea how old uh, Master Kok is. Mm-hmm. And so Master Lone Kok had um, apparently... Been working with this um, Earth God known as Imano, and mm. Imano is a very benevolent protector. Um, he represents, you know, all of the aspects of the element of Earth, yes. and uh, is very, very protecting and nurturing and uh, benevolent being, and also specializes with um, bringing wealth and fortune and blessings yes. of those nature. And what's interesting too is his magic is very, very slow. Uh, But once it builds up, I mean, it's like an unstoppable boulder rolling out of control. And that's really how earth magic is. Uh,
0: (laughs) And that's what the earth element is like among the elements, among the physical elements. Earth is slow and powerful. You know, it's like I always think of the earth. I always compare the earth element to like a womb. So it gestates, but then it's forceful and it just pushes something out into the material world. That's so cool. Imano? Yeah. That's his yeah.
1: name? I- Imano. E- I M A N O Imano. And uh, apparently he's only accessible or he only presents himself, um, you know, when a, a student in our lineage has reached a certain level and for me, this was initiating someone into my lineage. I've had many students before, but when we're talking about like a a true initiation yeah. into you know a master class of training and some very advanced magical practices, that's kind of a different thing. And so this was the first student who had reached a point where I could actually put them through that initiation, and he did wonderful. Um, you know, uh, not to spoil anything for anybody <laughs> here, but his name is Gabriel, so just kind oh. of remember that name,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's gonna be on the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, and it may sweet. be the it may be the very next episode, actually. So, yeah, stay tuned. Well, that everyone. would be great, yeah. <laughs> no,
1: no, yeah, he's a wonderful human being. Um, I have to have talented. you both
0: on together. We should all three do a, a show together, maybe we'll do that. I, would, in a few I would weeks. love that. Yeah, that'd be yes. fun. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and, and so, you know, with working with Imano, one of the things that I found is um, when certain spirits, and maybe you can speak on this as well, when certain spirits you work with them, you need uh, you need a sigil or some kind of way to call them. But there are other spirits who, um, usually, I found to be devas or deities of some kind. Mm-hmm. When they present themselves to you, you don't even need to call them they right. will simply present themselves when the thought is needed or before you even think that you need those deities and i just want to get your thought on that
0: well that's how okay so the first time i ever met my my earth deva as a matter of fact was the first deva i didn't know i had i didn't know that that gnomes were real by the way that so the <laughs> i didn't know that i was meditating against a tree and, oh, okay. So actually I always have to back up the story. So actually what happened was, it was early in my awakening, early in my, you know, practicing my metaphysical gifts and everything. And But I was communicating with animals. And so I was working with this uh, the person who was actually, it was totally for free. It was like just practice. She was actually in the mediumship mentoring program that I was in. So we were like exchanging. And so I was communicating with her tortoise. And her tortoise was hibernating at the time. And so she's like, can you communicate with him? And when he's hibernating, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> never communicated with the tortoise. Never communicated with a hibernating anybody. Let's see what happens. And so when I reached out to the tortoise, who's, his name was Maury, by the way. And it was—he has passed on since—and um, it was very obvious. He was like, "Yes, absolutely, it's a great time to communicate with me." And he was explaining to me what it feels like to hibernate. That sometimes he goes, you know, deep into his body and experiences like almost like a zero point of rest. But most of the time, what he's doing is do what I translated, what it interpreted to me as soul work, meaning that he's in the astral and in the higher realms, and he's doing all kinds of, you know, work. Um, on his soul while he's hibernating. And then I was like, and then he, oh, okay. So this is the main thing that Maury told me about his human and their p- a past life they had together. And he showed me that he, the tortoise in this past life with the human was a stone, was a really large stone and that his human was a a woman, a girl, and she would go and like really had this strong connection with the stone. She would journal, she would pray, she would like just hug the stone and just feel its vibration. But see, I also, at that time I was like, wait, and so was my friend, like we can have past lives as stones? Like what the heck? (laughs) But like we, that's where we were like hadn't considered, hadn't contemplated any of that. And Maury explained, of course, and he, Maury basically was explaining to me density, which I didn't have that language then, but he showed me how water can be in three different forms. It can be solid, you know, and, and it can be like ice. It could be liquid or it could be gas, steam. So it's just like that. Soul energy can be all of those different things. And I was like, okay, cool. So that's the backstory. But the very next morning I was meditating against a tree and it was like, if I felt like if I opened my eyes that I would have seen the image that I was feeling and seeing in my clairvoyance. I felt like I would have seen it physically. That's how um, how defined it was. But I felt like standing right there, a little diminutive gnome, dressed like a gnome, looked like a gnome, you know, and I was like, okay, cool, whatever. It's a gnome. Like I was in this place where i didn't make a big deal of, a, of any of the things that happened in my meditation, leaned into it, journaled about it, and let's see what happens. You know, It's all imagery is what I figured. He kept showing up. He gave me a name, but he wouldn't give me a message. It was really just totally vibratory. Kind of like when you're saying in your dream, you couldn't remember it because it couldn't mm-hmm. be mapped to language, but I could feel it. Yeah, I could just feel it. And then I discovered... That you know, then I did some research because he kept showing up, and found out that Paracelsus actually mapped a system of devas to be gnomes that oversee the element of earth, and and then I had just gotten this lesson with an oh oh also, Maury had showed me other lives where he was like a salamander and he was a snake, and it was like a picture book, and he says because I have great passion for the element of earth, and so that's how I didn't know I was calling forth Henry, my gnome. That's the name he gave me, and yeah so he just showed up for me. that's a long story, but basically <laughs> yeah. honestly, I don't usually call them. they just show up for me i mean i can I can say who's here to help me, but sometimes I don't get anything really definitive i again, I just get like this support energy. but when they show up more individuated, they show up. i don't really call them
1: you know yeah I don't. I, I I don't have bad experiences with gnomes but there was this one gnome that um I used to work with named Gob uh G H O B. Yes, 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 yes,
0: yes. Absolutely. That is um yes, that's a famous gnome I guess you'd yeah. say, but yes, absolutely. Uh-huh.
1: I didn't have the best experience with him. Um okay. So I I was, you know, working with him to kind of draw in, you know, avenues of money and things of that nature and one of the more notable experiences was, um, and there was nothing on my bed the night before. There was nothing on my floor. I, I keep my room very clean. I I felt something in the middle of the night, and I heard like a little pitter patter. And I looked up, and there was nothing there, but I had felt a presence. And I had just done a working with Gob um, earlier in that evening, mm-hmm. and then in the morning I wake up, and there was um, a dollar bill. And a little bit of change, like a, I think it was like a nickel and a quarter or something, uh, on the foot of my bed. And I was like, okay, that's interesting, but that's <laughs> not really what I meant by you know lots of money, you know. And, and then and then I found the little bugger robbed me. Uh, <laughs> some of my some of my stones were missing, and I never found them again. <laughs> and okay, so. Like, <laughs>
0: So yes, the nature spirits, devas, fairies, whatever—all uh, of them have a reputation for being mischievous. And this is, <laughs> this is my okay. So this is what I, I, my interpretation or my my sense about that in general is, is that they will put stumbling blocks in in your way if they feel that you're out of sync. Now I'm not saying that you were, and maybe he was just, maybe you got, maybe there was an imposter or whatever and he was just kind of a jerk. Because there's all kinds of things in the elemental realms. But at, at any rate, um yeah, so they will take your they in you know, you like your stones, they'll take it and they will I've noticed them taking my crystals and hiding them. And when I ask why they've hidden them, they'll say, because you needed to give that one a rest and you needed to not be working with it right now because you were using it to amplify things that were not helpful. And helpful to, to them isn't just about me. Helpful to them is mostly about nature. And if I'm, if I'm interrupting nature in some way and synchrony and, you know, health of Gaia, then they're going to, they're going to interrupt me.
1: <laughs> nature will correct its own courses. As Absolutely.
0: We and they can be a little bit blunt, because they're right there. They're, they're like right on the brink of manifestation. So they actually work, you know, really bluntly, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Mm. Like they, they there's not any subtlety. They're not like going to massage you with light like angels or something. They're going to be like, get it. <laughs> get out of the way. <laughs> get out of the way. Sit down. Shut up. You know, I can't find my keys. Oh, that is such a common nature spirit thing because they're like, you need to get yourself right before you get these keys. I mean, maybe I'm being a little bit, overly positive about them, but that's, that's how I feel about it. You know,
1: there is a dark side to them. And sure. Uh,
0: you yeah. Know, that's and, what and I'm saying. There's a dark side. There's a lot of darkness. When I was a little kid, I used to see all kinds of little dark elementals all around my bed and they were little devils and stuff. And that had a lot to do with the chaos in my home. So, yeah.
1: It could be terrifying.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, um what happened then with Gobe? Did you did you stop working with them or what happened?
1: So I had, I, I'd stopped working with him for a while. And then at one point, um, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll send you, uh, I have a little Google Drive folder. Uh, I was pretty proud of this. I had made um, a shrine to Gobe mm-hmm. in the forest. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had like hidden it, you know, well off the beaten path. And I had um you know like covered it with you know bushes and and um broken bramble and debris, so from the outside you you couldn't even tell but then when you when you go inside, I had it strung um with a with a pentagram made of with white uh, blessed holy string hmm. to where to enter into the shrine, you had to go through the center of this pentagram, so you had to come in cleansed to even hmm. be in the space of the shrine, and I had um you know the sigil for gob you know painted. Uh, on all these trees and I had uh, I think I took like a couple hundred dollars and got them all in quarters and I scattered the quarters all over uh, this shrine and then I took in an effigy and I made it and then I put it in this uh, summoning circle and uh, and I would go out like once a week and I would uh, feed with offering and, and I would make prayers to gob and then it was at that point, I felt, um, you know, this this recognition where where it wasn't even like you know good human or anything like that. It was it was more of just like a solemn nod. Mm-hmm. Like th- that was about all I got from that. But there was something about it that was fulfilling to me on on a soul level, you know, on a much deeper level in um, doing that devotion. And I feel like as a whole, it was it was actually more of um, a worship of the earth. Um, yeah. and, and the love and, and the bond of, um, you know, the grounding strength that, that keeps us here in our bodies. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I found most fascinating about it was I wasn't seeking to get anything from that experience or through that practice. And I never asked for anything and I never took anything. And though I did not benefit in any way that we could conventionally say, I can't put my finger on it, but I gained something.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that makes so much sense again. It was almost like you you were like really gaining something, you were worshiping you were, you know, and and you had this big transformation and Gob's just basically like, "Good. Now you're regular." <laughs> now you're not, now you're not fucking up so hard. <laughs> pretty pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, he's not like proud of you or anything. He's like, "Okay, fine. You're not you're not causing any troubles anymore." <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, it was just like a solemn nod. Like that's yeah. all it was. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yes. That's, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I feel, I do feel benevolence from some of them, but you know, it's not, it's not obsequious and it's certainly not, you know, like flowery. Um, I don't know. I, I, it's hard to even say if I feel encouragement, I feel balancing. That's the thing. It's just that's as that's as that's as high as you get, really, is with is balanced. Although I will say, of course, fairies are very playful, like children, and so there's like a joy and there's a celebration and and everything. But they're kind, but they're not celebrating humans. They're celebrating all of nature. So you just got to join in. You're not going to be like mm. lifted up. You're going to be able to join in if you have the right tuning. So
1: <laughs> nature is sassy. their culture.
0: Yes. Mhm. And
1: yes. uh we were we were talking before the show and um you know we were talking about like, you know, meditation and things like that. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so uh you know, I have that paragraph I was talking about. Yes, please um, share. So
0: tell tell everyone so you were meditating and this just came to you. You were in a yes. deep samadhi state. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Yes.
1: So, you know, I I shared this before, but it was it's just it's so profound that um that I felt like it, it just, it needs to be put out there again. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, you know, I, I was taught, you know, when I was doing like, you know, my Vipassana practices and my different sadhanas and things of that nature, uh, Master Thanapha would explain to me, you know, that we, we need to quiet the mind, even when we think something is, you know, important or we're, we're latching onto this thing that, uh, you know, seems like it's deep and you just have to like, let it go and sink deeper into that state where those thoughts are coming from. But every once in a while I misbehave a little because I'm like, no, that's too good. I got to write that down I'll break myself out of state of samadhi. So this is the, um, the paragraph right here. What people call mysticism isn't all that mysterious. Really. It's just a spectrum of awareness through that awareness. We can tap into other realms and dimensions by shifting our perspective on that spectrum. The way of doing that just boils down to learning how the body and mind work. It's not some elaborate secret, and we often overcomplicate things because we approach it as mysticism and magic and not as a spectrum of awareness that we can direct our focus across. Most people marvel at the paranormal because they don't understand the phenomena, but if your awareness was such that you just saw it as an apple on the table You would look at it and say, oh, it's just an apple. Further inspection could tell you what kind of apple, how it tastes and feels, and further inspection would tell you where to get more apples or even how to grow them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's, it, it kind of, there's so many things that bubble up as you're reading that. It's actually the One thing I want to mention is it's the reason why this is called charmed life is not because it's because life just is magic, no matter what's happening. If your heart is broken because someone said something mean to you, that's magical that you can even feel a broken heart as a human because there's no true separation. So everything is magical. And then whatever it is you prefer to experience as magic or whatever is also a part of your birthright. All of it is your birthright. And so it's not that I have a charmed life. It's why it's called Charmed Life with Trisha Carr. It's like, I just happen to be a part of this show. It's that life is a magical act and it's your birthright. And you can dance around with your awareness as to that spectrum of what the magic is. But in fact, magic is perfectly natural and normal in a sense. Paranormal is normal. (laughs) It's just normal. Maybe it's super normal because it's something that is adjacent. Well, actually, it's something that normal or or physical reality is encased in but they're not separable they're inseparable uh, yeah i love that that's that's i wonder who it feels like an individuated voice or so it could have been just like higher self what do you think how do you think that message that transmission came to you and now for these messages hey guys it's trisha car i have new exciting things going on with my mystic arts academy You can now subscribe to receive all of the live monthly content for about a third of the investment of a single class. Included are at least one downloadable guided meditation per month, two live events ranging from classes, channeled messages, group readings, intuitive development guidance, Q&A sessions, and tons of community. You'll also have access to a private Facebook community for fellowship and support. And this space is kept super sacred and high vibrational. Your subscription gives you access to the whole library of classes and live events, which are on a vast array of topics. All events are offered online by Zoom Video Call. Subscribing to the Mystic Arts Academy is also a way for you to support the Charmed Life podcast and engage on a deeper level. I'm offering the subscription at a super low rate of $22 a month. Joining now locks in this rate for as long as you're subscribed. Click on the description of this episode or go to my website, trishacarrcharm.com, and click on Mystic Arts Academy. I look forward to connecting.
1: Well, I've had similar streams of consciousness like that, and I really do feel like it is um, not necessarily a higher self. but I feel like it is a past self, actually, okay. mm-hmm. um, a wizened me from another life. Yeah. Uh, it feels it, that,
0: do you think Egyptian maybe? I'm feeling something like that or, or maybe even older.
1: A life, uh, you know, the, the most that I can really draw from that is um, a life where I spend a lot of time alone um, mm-hmm. by choice yeah. um, to study and mm-hmm. to um to commune with the with the cosmos and uh mm-hmm. the greater soul structure of of the all you know and mm-hmm. and so yeah i you know i, I do find it interesting that you mention egyptian because
0: or sumerian uh, that's the other thing that's coming up or maybe both you know what i mean yeah
1: my back is covered in um you know egyptian gods and oh. and i have um you know pharaohs and mummies and then i have like you know, different Egyptian gods, like on this whole half sleeve right here. And it's funny because my first tattoos I got, they were all Egyptian and I was obsessed with Egypt as a young kid. And I'm not Egyptian, you -hmm. know, Uh, like, you know, I'm, my, my family comes from Zimbabwe, Germany, and Mexico. (laughs) And I'm I'm not Egyptian at all, (laughs) you know, but I just was so drawn to it. And as I've gotten older, it's it's not that I'm no longer drawn to it, but it's more like the obsession has integrated to a sense of normalcy. Yeah. It's just a part of my experience.
0: Mhm. Yeah. Do you have a uh, have you ha- have you connected with Anlil before? No. I was just here I don't know I was like when you were talking about Imanu I was hearing Anlil too. So Maybe check into that later. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I'll I'll have to look into that. Um, Yeah, there
0: is an Egyptian
1: deity that I've worked with quite a bit that uh, I found to be uh, quite interesting. Um, So her, it—I don't really know what it would be defined as. Uh, um, Takawit. So it has a a pregnant um, woman's belly, um, the head of a hippo. And then it has the backside of a crocodile. And I can't remember what the feet and the arms were, but I mean, it's just this weird amalgamation of, of, um, you know, parts. And she specializes mainly and was worshipped in Egyptian society as uh, for fertility and Mm -hmm. uh, protection during um, pregnancy and childbirth but I found a very interesting element of working with her in the sense that she also embodies um, motherly love and Mm -hmm. me not having a womb, me not being female or having any need for a lot of what she was worshipped for. I found myself so drawn to her because She nurtured my soul in a way that my own mother who, you know, raised me, if you could even call it raising me, because we know I had a rough childhood, but it was interesting that, you know, this goddess, you know, this being of, um, you know, divine nature that was worshiped for very specific things was giving me something that I never realized she could give me. And I never knew she was offering. And I find that to be really interesting is uh, sometimes we're drawn to deities that we don't even realize we are drawn to.
0: Yeah. Yes. That's beautiful. And so what? tell me her name again, and I want to be, be sure to put it in the description too, because some folks may want to look her up.
1: Uh, Takawet, and that's T-A-K-A-W-E-T. T- A- T-A-K-A-W-E-T.
0: Cool. Okay yeah that's beautiful. No, that's true i I do I do have attraction to a lot of you know <laughs> beings or entities or whatever that I'm I don't really have similarity to and it must be that it that's what's so great about it is we're so complete and we have access to absolutely everything you know and there's something else that's interesting is that my the archangel who basically is the architect of my oversoul is Ariel. And I don't feel like I really ever chat with her. <laughs> like it's like I'm basically her, so I don't need to talk to her, you know? But all of these other ones that have different energies, I can feel them more distinctly because we're we are distinctive. I'm distinctive. I'm not I'm not embodying that so um as such a baseline. And, and that's really yeah, that's interesting. And divine mother frequency, like of which Takawit would be a part of. <laughs> We can all benefit from her so much. We need her so much.
1: Yeah, I had a, uh, I had my mind blown um, the other day when uh, so I was, I was talking um, to uh, so I'm I'm in this and uh, part of my continued learning, you know I, I study different paths of magic uh, to gain proficiency in whatever it is that, that I feel most drawn to, and I'm going you know through the next step of my Mao Shun. Um, apprenticeship in Taoism, uh, and Master Young, um, you know, was, was talking about, um, you know, working, you know, with Guan Yin and mm-hmm. was talking about, um, you know, different incarnations of Guan Yin. Yeah. And so there was something in me that, that, you know, decided to like kind of bring up, you know, um, this, you know, I have the sigil on my hand for, uh, there it is, uh, mm-hmm. for Ichi. Iji, uh, I think I might have mentioned her to you before. She's a water goddess that I've been working with um, for years. And yeah. um, I, I find her to be very protective. She's taught me um, certain mantras and spells and rituals. Um, I've gotten her to manifest physically in front of me. Um, I've had experiences where I, I uh, shared her, her sigil with other people. And they had like these mind-blowing you know, very real physical phenomena experiences with her. And they were just like, holy crap, this deity is the real deal. Well, I start to tell, um, you know, Master Yong about it. And Master Yong uh, starts to inform me of this um, temple that uh, was spared from flooding when the rest of the lands were were flooded in this one area um, in Japan. And this temple—it was really interesting because it was at a lower point, and and everything else around flooded, but this lowest point where this temple was didn't flood at all. Hmm. And they had a um, a statue of Guanyin that they worshipped. And who do you think that this statue looks like?
0: I forgot Eiji. her name. What's her, <laughs> what's her name?
1: Eiji. e i j i. And so Master Young informs me that um, in this incarnation, which she still adopts, because the weird aspect of gods and goddesses is they can adopt multiple incarnations at the same oh, time. Oh, sure. And uh, well, we all are. Them.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what we all are doing. And honestly, I, you may be a part of the E.G. Oversoul Complex, and so you- but you know what I mean? Like you're a part of her. She's experiencing you and you're experiencing, you're having that simultaneous incarnation experience, but go ahead. Yes. <laughs> so and she's also Guanyin. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah. So, uh, and that's her statue, uh, the big blue lady here in the back oh. on my altar. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, s-
0: where is Yiji from? Like wh- where did she, when did she live approximately? Where did she live
1: when so she was, she,
0: in- she was incarnated? She,
1: when she was incarnated as Yiji, This was, I don't know what specific period of time this would have been, but this was about like, uh, you know, around a thousand years ago, uh, roughly, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, So what was interesting is the uh, exact age of that temple in Japan isn't really known. Um, It's near the Gunma Kin province and it is um, maintained and it's still like, you know, worshipped at. And it's been um, kind of rebuilt, uh, you know, over the years and, and cared for. But nobody knows how old that actual the statue is. And it was there when the the new you know Taoist priest had like started to inhabit and work in that temple. Uh, so I mean, we don't really know much about that actual temple's history. There's really nothing documented about it. Um, and and it's just really fascinating because the offerings that, that, um, that Iji, you know, receives and takes is, is the exact same as, um, as that Guanyin um, in Japan. And that Guanyin statue receives um, dried starfish and seashells, uh, things that, um, you know, were gathered from the beach, not forcefully taken from the ocean, mm-hmm. uh, things that met the end of their life cycle and returned back to the earth. And yeah. then um, also holy water, uh, flowers and perfumes and, um, and, and the color blue. Um, and it's more of like, like a powdery bright blue, not just a regular type of blue. And it's so fascinating because as, as he's describing the offerings and everything, and I knew nothing about this Guan Yin statue or this incarnation of Guan Yin, this was exactly how Eiji taught me to worship and offer and work with her. Yeah. And it was just, it was mind blowing because how could I have just coincidentally known that?
0: I know, but that that's the that's the non-mysterious aspect of the mystery. <laughs> like your like your channeled message said that it's not really a mystery, but when we treat it like a mystery all we're doing is continuing to hide it from ourselves. But it's yes, I know that's what uh, that has happened to me so many times, like with my gnome. <laughs> I didn't know gnomes were real and everything about that experience aligned with the things that I f- later learned about gnomes that other people have as experiences as well. And that happened to me too with, I didn't, I didn't know anything about this idea of being star seeds or, you know, and I hadn't gotten into like ETs as, as or cosmic interdimensionals as, as guides or anything. But I started, one day I was meditating and some lion being showed up. It was like a humanoid lion. And he told me his name was Leon and went to me. I thought that was like a funny name for some kind of guide because it sounds like a hokey hick name that i might have known someone like my cousin in texas or something leon but um then i got in my car and i didn't even have youtube turned on my phone it opened itself up and it started playing a video about Lyrons, Lyron star seeds and that as a and it and, and then i realized oh leon like lion pronounced in french or spanish you know
1: I, I had an experience you know
0: mm-hmm.
1: that that absolutely uh terrified me because it was just so unexpected. And it was the only time I had ever encountered um, Lyrian, Lyrian, however you want to pronounce it. Uh mm-hmm. there was this like like electrical, like little purple line down the wall. And you know, this was uh this was like years ago. And I, I might've like mentioned about that, like that horrible mushroom experience I had. And I the last time, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah so the very last time I ever uh, played with psychedelics. Um, it was, it was a whole thing. Um, basically I was given poison mushrooms. I had to go to the mm-hmm. hospital. Oof. I um, I went into a fugue state. I had a heart oh, attack. You did I mean, Tell me
0: this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It
1: was, it was terrible. It was, mm-hmm. it was absolutely terrible. But the thing that freaked me out the most is like most of that trip, I couldn't remember. And, you know, I've, I've, I've had, you know, trips previous to that where, you know, I would see visuals, but I never had like an actual hallucination. I never saw mm-hmm. something that, yeah. you know, wasn't there in essence. And I saw this this electrical purple line zipping down the wall. And I like get up to the wall and I'm like looking at it. And I'm like, what is that? And then all of a sudden this, uh, bipedal, like just massive, um, lion, you know, humanoid figure <laughs> pops out wearing like, like a sorcerer's garb. And he had, uh, and he had a purple, his hair was purple, he yeah. had a purple mane and he yeah. looks at me and he goes, "Shh!" and then another line opens up in the middle of the air and he zips in it and he's gone. <laughs> and I was like, oh. I was like looking around like, what just happened?
0: <laughs> I'm not supposed to see that.
1: <laughs> right. It was like, like I just saw it being interdimensionally travel and I wasn't yeah. supposed to see that. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing. I, my, my Leon, like this lion guide that first approached me, he was blue. He was a kind of, he was a blue color. And of course I didn't know that in, so on Lyra, they they have everything looks blue because of the light the way it's cast on Lyra there's many planets there but like uh, I think on Avalon particularly that it's like there there's like a blue cast so even if you were if their main was a white color it might look blue or it could be blue as well i'm not really sure that's just what i understand about it yeah i remember one time i was dreaming what to dreaming i was sleeping and i woke up you know it was, it was on my side and my bedroom door was like right in front of my face and it's a white door and I just opened my eyes and there was like a green light showing on it and it was like I opened my eyes and then it went like I swear it was almost like oh shit and they took it away <laughs> like oh shit she's awake
1: <laughs> yeah um,
0: like oh she's not supposed to see it
1: <laughs> the the, uh, the llama uh, the Rinpoche llama that I studied under so she um, was telling me a story one time about how she was visited by um, the masters of Bonpo. Um, so the Tibetan Bonpo lineage that I was initiated as Lama under, uh, She she's, you know, like highest ranking, essentially you can go is like a, a Rinpoche, you know, it's it's okay. the pinnacle of, of that path. Um, unless, you know, you've just become a divine body of light and a six dimensional master, but that's for another day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> she was telling me how, you know, Po originated from gosh, was it like the hundred something dimension, these, mm-hmm. um, you know, beings that are so highly evolved and just beyond what we could even begin to comprehend, um, in, in, uh, in enlightenment. Uh, so they, they traveled down, um, which is quite a journey for them to come down to down to this dimension. And mm-hmm. they, you know, they sought these, you know, wise souls and they, they gave them the teachings of Bonpo. Bonpo predates all other forms of Buddhism. Bonpo is the oldest form of Buddhism that is known. And so she was telling me how one, you know, one of them appeared before her after, um, you know, her, her master had, um, had passed. And when this being appeared before her, she was just completely speechless because she described it as having like an emerald body, like made of like Mm. jewels and Mm -hmm. and like just like its body parts, like its head and everything looked like gold. And it just, it it looked like this completely rich and luxurious decadent like statue, but Mm. it was moving and it was intelligent and it was interacting with her. And she was just kind of like, like, whoa. And she immediately knew like, this is one of the lineage masters. Like this is where all of this comes from. These beings. And so it went to uh, give her a blessing, and she said that when it touched her, um, she felt uh, the immediate reaction of her heart exploding in her chest. She fell to the ground, started to explain what in her mind felt like death happening and blood pooling out of her mouth. And then in that same instant, she experienced that, she was fine and okay. And that being explained that it tried to give her a divine blessing, but the blessing was too divine for her physical body to contain and handle. And it, mm. as soon as it gave that blessing, it had to pull it back. Wow. And I was just, I, I was like at that point, I was like trying to comprehend how something can be so divine that to yeah. receive it. It just, you know, it's, it's so divine in nature that the physical body is too low or vibratory to handle yeah. and contain it. And it would immediately cause you to die and extinguish your physical body mm-hmm. to receive that spiritual gift and then would automatically project you to a higher level of, of you know vibrational ascension. And it just I'd never thought about that before. And I was just yeah. mind blown by that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I I don't know. i I probably have mentioned them to you. I don't know if you know who Darylanka is. He channels an entity. Named Bashar, and
1: I do remember. and I've I think heard it, that name before.
0: Yeah, you check out. You'd like his work, um, but I do. I heard Daryl. So Bashar is like a future version of Daryl, the the person who's here channeling, and he says that I remember him telling a story about how, like, we he, basically he couldn't tolerate. We can't tolerate being physically in proximate in, in a real way, with. I think Bashar is like six density or something, you know, we just, we can't tolerate it. And so I think he, one time was, he asked like, well, can I just try it? And it was like just the bit, the tiniest little edge. And it was like, (gasps) like, couldn't, couldn't tolerate it. Like it would just knock, knock you dead. It was. And you know, there's, there's other, there's plenty of experiences that actually, there's even some in the Bible where they actually saw some kind, they saw an angel or they saw some kind of fractal, of God energy, source energy, whatever, and it it made them fall as though they were dead, and it's something along those lines. But yeah, absolutely. Like, and I'll bet this lineage master he knew that she couldn't tolerate it, but wanted to say, like, here, let me just show you. Let me let me give you this lesson. Here it is. Take it back. Right? Yeah. Obviously, he knew it. He can he can tell what the <laughs> vibratory frequency is of of her form, and so he wanted to give her the idea. I mean, that and of itself is was a big upgrade, I'm sure for her.
1: Oh yeah. And, and, you know, what, what is, you know, really interesting for me was, you know, when I, when I first met, you know, this Rinpoche, um, me and another master of mine, we, we actually sought her out. Um, and we were, we were given, we're basically given the detailed information of where she lived as payment for, um, a job that we did uh, helping somebody and we were not even sure we had the right house. And then we, we go to this house and we, and we see, you know, what we think is the front door, but it was actually the back door and we go and we knock on it. And this, this elderly woman, you know, in, in her nineties, you know, answers the door. And it was just like, I, I had this feeling And my master said the same thing to me afterwards. Like if she had just blinked, if she felt we were a threat, we would have, we would have instantly died. I I mean, the, the power that was in this frail looking, but not really frail um, Mm -hmm. elderly woman uh, who was just so divine. And she's also the one who I talked about where um, just like when, when we go train and be around her, it was like I had no desire to eat. Um, you know, going to the bathroom, anything like that. It was like being in her reality bubble was was like an oxytocin overload. It was experiencing pure love. Like it, it, it physically, you could feel it. It was tangible. It rippled and emanated from her. Mm-hmm. And when you were in close proximity of her, it wasn't like a, a sexual love, but you were just, you were so in love. Um, mm-hmm. it, it was just nothing but love. All you could feel was love, mm-hmm. and it was divine and beautiful. And being away from her, it, it was almost like going into withdrawals, because because you're just like, oh my gosh, now I, now I have to take care of my body. Uh, how long if I needed to go to the bathroom? Oh, I'm really hungry, <laughs> you know. And you're, and you're just like, you're like, oh gosh, I'm human. And it's like, like when you're when you're with her and you're learning with her, it is not like time stops. It's just everything is an expression of love and it's felt
0: Mm. and
1: is one of the most powerful masters I have not only had the privilege to study under, but just being able to get to know, um, and, and, and realizing that, um, you know, they are accessible. Yeah. She's like
0: a real live Yoda. She's a Jedi. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Friggin Jedi master. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yes, we are all we're all working on that, aren't we? Our Jedi mastery. I mean, oh gosh, it's really such a great allegory, honestly, Star Wars because it it's so it's so real. It's so yeah, that was definitely channeled by you know, some entity that understands how to communicate with humans about what we're kind of doing, like a peek behind the curtain, letting the mis- mystery be non-mysterious to us in a way that we can handle it. Actually, that brings me to oh, have you heard? Do you have any um? Do you okay? I want to talk to you about twenty twenty seven. That's what I want to talk to you about. Are, are do you have any inklings? Do you have any sense? Or have you been? um exposed to this prophecy about 2027 and how we're basically changing our background frequency and it's not like there's going to be a big cataclysmic thing that happens in 2027 it's actually more it's the beginning of a new paradigm and there's it essentially will take hundreds or years because there's going to be new beings born at that time as our background frequency changes i just wanted to pitch that out there to you even if you've not heard of any of this like what is your sense or feeling about about how we're shifting and changing, you know?
1: So I have not really heard anything about that, but I found mm-hmm. it interesting as, as you were describing it. Um, and I'll, and I'll have to kind of like crack into it and, and see what my, my interpretation is of it. But I, yeah. I had this very, very strong visual of uh, the walls of Jericho for some reason. Mm. Um, and they were just, they were, I never really thought about them before, but they were, they were massive. Um, mm-hmm. And, and, it, that image was just just seeing you know the walls of Jericho as as you were talking about that so not really sure what that means where that comes from I'm not going to claim to have an understanding of that one yeah. um I'll maybe meditate on it later and and see what I pull from that but I did find that kind of interesting
0: mhm yeah I get that I mean and that was uh that was basically a, a kind of cataclysmic event that happened because of frequency you know So we'll see. And the reason I thought that the reason that popped into my um, my consciousness is basically us being prepared for shifts and changes like the way that some literature and art is channeled by the by people. And they're they're basically getting us accustomed to a new way by just consuming it with art. You know, so let's say. Um, people channeling, or they would just say writing, but you know, um, screenplays and books about about ETs visiting. It's and, and,
1: very common trend now.
0: Exactly. Oh yeah, very much. And you know, and space Earth.
1: exploration.
0: Yes, exactly. And so it's kind of like we're being we're being um lulled into being able to accept it by putting these patterns in our awareness and we're enjoying them and so they're dropping in like suggestions while we're in hypnosis which we are when we're consuming art and so they're dropping in so that we can be able to you know be comfortable with it and actually raise our vibration to be able to welcome any let's say benevolent guides beings that could come and help us the way that they did you know before like back in Egypt and you know Egypt kind of wasn't really ready for it in the end it, it turned out you know that they that things went bad with the with that whole experiment in the end and the same thing with Atlantis and Lemuria things ended up going bad at some point and so anyway part of this too is that I did a class in my Mystic Arts Academy and it was on it was Lemurian unicorns but it was most of it was about Lemurians and the the, the the fact that there's two hundred and fifty thousand Lemurians, give or take, probably give, uh, who are inhabiting inner Earth beneath Mount Shasta. and their plan is the plan or the uh, the you know is basically they will ascend, but it would be when we are ready. You know what I mean? Like they're not going to come and like basically knock us dead. Well, you <laughs> like also that. have, Blessing.
1: um, you know, um, Ho'omana um uh or ho mm-hmm. so the uh sacred you know practice of the um hawaiian kahunas
0: mm-hmm. um
1: they're actually the spiritual teachings of lumeria and yes, that's right and mm-hmm. the you know the people who have hawaiian blood are literal descendants of ancient lumerians yeah and not only that but you know the um w- what is what is left of hawaii wasn't always what was Hawaii, there was, you know, the lost continent of mew there. So, I mean, I, I do think that there are more than just, um, you know, remnants of, you know, certain, uh, you know, I don't like the term master races. Um, I'd say, um, more of like a evolved society. Yeah. Uh, Just on
0: a different part of the evolution path. You know what I mean? Like that's not a big, there's a few of
1: those all over the world
0: absolutely and, and a lot of them and and some of them do li- there are there, i think there are quite a few that live inner earth though as well but yes yeah, so some who live on the surface too mhm
1: yeah and you know what 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 i find interesting is um so i don't know if you're familiar with Sadhguru. um uh,
0: i i mean i know of but i don't really yeah at some point people mention him a lot to me so i probably at some point need to listen to his teachings i i, <laughs> I
1: love i just love uh you know how how he breaks down such uh, complex uh, metaphysical and mystical concepts. And, mm-hmm. and, and then he just, he has this little saying and, and, and it's a very Indian thing, but when he says it, I'm just like, uh, it like makes my heart melt. He's he, he'll, he'll tell you something. And then at the end of it, he'll be like, isn't it, isn't it so? you know? And so <laughs> that's, that's what I love about Sadhguru. And one of, one of my masters, um, he, he actually went to India and he, he studied, um, with Sadhguru and uh, was in the presence of the Diana Linga and like it was it was a whole thing and and so it's like you know very sacred and beautiful but one of the things that Sadhguru talked about with the the world um, consciousness evolving and uh, you know essentially global enlightenment is that there's a dark side of it that people might not consider and that is the people who aren't ready for it yeah and I know, yeah. you'll see unprecedented sadly unprecedented amounts of increase in suicide because the people mm-hmm. who cannot handle um you know the changing of these energies the lifting of these energies uh unfortunately their life lesson will by choice cut short so that they can reincarnate um, after going through a soul slumber and a bit of soul work on themselves to then be aligned with matching up with that energy. And yeah. I just think that's a, a, it's a fascinating thing and it's uh, it, you know, obviously it's not, it's not ideal. It's its not, you know, good in the sense of how we would use the word good, but it is something that I feel like we, we need to acknowledge that for, for every benefit of um, you know, spiritual enlightenment, there's going to be certain aspects where, we could say okay this is also a side effect mm-hmm. that we might not necessarily think of
0: well and and the that's a side effect of it another side effect is in order for that to be minimized it has to go very slowly the uh, you know evolution goes very slowly then because no one left behind and this is why some of us are Continuing to reincarnate, even if we are coming from a soul evolution point, and I'm not, I'm not claiming that or casting it upon ourselves. It's a spose, you know, it's, we're sposing in here because that's what we do. If we're philosophers, <laughs> 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 but even, it's what Ra, who of the Law of One, calls the brothers and sisters of sorrow, the wanderers, the brothers and sisters of sorrow, because uh, the wanderers who have technically evolved beyond needing this experience for the for that soul's complex individuality they've already done this but they don't want to leave behind anyone so that's what makes them brothers and sisters of sorrow because they're continuing to come through and continuing to come through and making that incarnation that path of light cycle to raise the vibration a little bit raise it a little bit raise it a little bit you know and of course it's not guaranteed that they would because you can mess it up (laughs) in an incarnation and take away from it you get you have to start over in the same you know idea of the messiah or avatars who come as a complete human from the beginning without any of the past knowledge it's more you know just the trial and error again yeah trial and error it's a bitch isn't it yeah, yeah uh,
1: it reminds me of jiva samadhis and mm. it's like it's the greatest sacrifice that um you know many people just aren't aware of or don't acknowledge uh, for what it for what it is, and that jiva samadhi is um, what is called a spiritual suicide. And what that is in reference to is um so Paramhansa Yogananda, uh, was the first yogi who came to America, he he committed jiva samadhi in a way, but um not uh in the essence of how it's it's actually done. So what happens is a yogi or a monk. Will reach a certain point of enlightenment where their energies are so peaked, and they've been working, you know, intense sadhanas and meditations over lifetimes consecutively, mm-hmm. building and building this um, this enlightenment up. And, and they reach a point where they will then embed all of that life energy, leaving their body through all of their chakras at will, and um, and and they will they will cast the body aside in a temple will be built on top of this body. And there's like a whole process. Like they they starve the body. They eat nothing but betel nut. And, um, and they drink like small droplets of water each day. And um, I, I can go into this at another time at some point in more depth. But essentially they, they do this intentional process where they um, slowly start to prepare to leave the body. And then they will leave the body and a temple will be built on top of where the body was left. And this becomes like a holy center. And mm-hmm. that divine life energy helps to lift the vibration of that land, lift the vibration of the people in that area. And what happens when you know a, a spiritual master of a certain level commits Jiva Samadhi is it's much more than they just leave all this divine energy and they go and reincarnate. No, they actually essentially wipe themselves clean. It's like taking everything off of the hard drive. They start over in essence, kind of like a new soul. They have to do all of that work all over again. It's not just they and reincarnate and they have some of the same gifts and they're still working in the same path. No, it's like they've gone from here. Now they're all the way back over here. yeah. And they start all over again like a baby because they built all of that up over lifetimes and then they give it, they give it to the world.
0: And you know what? It's just such a, I mean, of course, of course that's, the path because again it's really that's the same model that we're working with because we start over as a baby and then we have maybe we have mo- maybe we don't maybe we do have moments in that life of awakening where we're remembering uh, or s- somehow it seems like remembering our connection with easy or <laughs> whatever you know um so yeah of course it is but that grand that sacrifice that isn't really martyrdom It's not really martyrdom or, or it's what martyrdom is actually meant to be. I think the idea Mm -hmm. of martyrdom has been perverted by humans trying to put it in the construct of like a 3D hierarchical competitive, you know, codependent Mm -hmm. (laughs) construct when that's not, it's not codependency at all. It's actual, it is the, it is complete unity to have the, the sensitivity that is so whole, so holistic that it just becomes the natural thing. This kind of a sacrifice that is really just, well, it's what it's what the next step is because this this point of awareness has been so unified that this is what is needed. Is that this body is is left as a crystallized gift of divinity, and then the soul mm. must start over. And what else is there to do? But you no, know, continue like the that. path in some way. Yeah, a
1: crystallized gift. Oh, mm-hmm. You have a way of wording things, Tricia.
0: You do. <laughs> you do the saruda. <laughs> <laughs> well, we covered a lot of stuff, didn't we? I yeah, I we really do. yes. The there is the with the channeled message that you brought forward too. There's actually another part of it that was um, provoked in me, and it's when I did. Um, oh, it's a couple of classes. I can't remember. I think one of them was my modern Merlinian magic, Ascended Alchemy. And it's but the the message, I remember the message came through something about like mysteries aren't really mysteries. It's just you revealing things to yourself so that you can feel that contrast of not knowing it to knowing it again. And that's that that was that kind of bubbled up when you were reading that about mystery. Mm-hmm. Mm.
1: That just screams Merlin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. I am actually, so was it the last one? Yeah. The previous episode to this or one or two, I can't remember at this point. Um, an artist, she's a graphic artist and she's a, a she also, oh, do I have her decks here? Oh no. She, she makes, um, she makes Oracle decks and she also just came out with her first book, which is so funny. um, So synchronistic. So her name is Lon, L-O-N. And she, I I taught this class Modern Merlinian Magic in September, and then she announced in December her book called Modern Merlin. <laughs> and I was like, "What's happening? Merlin wants to come through in a modern way." So we're actually going to teach a workshop together. We're meeting on Thursday to come up with it. Oh, but like yeah, uh huh. That lineage of magic, though, you know, all the way back to Hermes Trismegistus and other alchemists, and who knows how how much deeper in the timeline we're going. Well, we'll see. Yeah, we should do something together. We should teach something together. We should get together was, and have a workshop or something.
1: I was thinking about that. I was I was like, I was thinking about um before the the pre-talk uh mm-hmm. bringing that up and then I just didn't get to it. And that's funny because you you, that's okay. you brought it we up. We got here to at it together. <laughs> yeah. No, I would I would absolutely love that. And I, I yeah. think we could do something really unique. Yeah. And and fun. I think so.
0: Well, yeah, because we were kind of like, oh, we were talking about when you're talking about the, oh, I forgot her name already, the 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 goddess with the pregnant belly and the-
1: Oh, Takawit.
0: Takawit. Um, and how we attract guides who are sort of on a different, like uh, some spectral difference to us. And we have that, like we have this place where we meet in the middle, but then we have these different influences, but they still come together at the same point. Which I just think is so great because when something is universal and it's real, if it's true wisdom, then, or if it's truth, like truth, I like to reserve the idea of something being true or being the truth as something that is accurate from all perspectives. Everything Mm -hmm. else is a reality, which is also valid. But it's, there's, truth is sort of something that can be experienced from many different realities and fractalized points of view. So, yeah. And I don't know. How for we ever the get truth there Truth
1: inherently is just itself.
0: <laughs> it is. That's right. And it can't <laughs> actually be defined. But you can, but except for in your awareness, you're having you're having again a fractalized experience of it. And it be it's paradox. That's the thing. The the closer we get to paradox, the closer we are to God or whatever is true. That's truth. what they
1: say about the Tao. That which mm-hmm. can be defined is not the true Tao. Yeah, so, yeah. So, you know it just. I mean, when when you when you get it and you understand it, you're like, oh, aha, you know. But and but then it's like, gone.
0: What does that mean? You know. <laughs> and and isn't it? That's the answer. Yeah. Well, yeah. Isn't yes. It? Isn't it? That's the. <laughs> oh, it reminds me of. I was just. I just heard a a parable of the Buddha, and and he was you know, teaching, and three different men came to him and asked him the same question, is there a God? And he gave three different answers. He gave, yes, of course, no, there isn't. And the, the last answer, he just looked directly into the person's eyes, and then the person like nodded satisfactorily and went on his way. And so his disciples were like, why did you, we don't understand. And he said, well, the man to whom I said no was so devout and already believed in God, so but he was never going to be able to make progress. And so when I told him no, there is no God, it shattered him open, and now he can make some progress. The man that I said yes to was a skeptic, and he was so certain in his mind that there was no God. But when he, when he could feel in me the the uh, yes. Then it also, in a sense, disappointed him, shattered him open, and now he will be able to move forward. The last person to whom he just looked into his eyes was really close, and so uh, he he already had he was already you know at that point, and so he was shattered together in a different way, and will be able to continue his evolution. I'm mm. I'm totally paraphrasing. I don't know how it really goes, but
1: <laughs> no, you're 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 pretty pretty on point. You know I, that I one.
0: Love- yeah, yeah, I love okay, a lot good. of um uh,
1: <laughs> my my favorite is the um the fairy and um and the Buddha um like a, you know like the water water fairy like the ship, you know. And oh, so yeah. there mm-hmm. there's like the you know this yogi who's uh, you know boasting about his powers and, and how he can walk on water. And so, um, you know, the Buddha's been, and I'm paraphrasing a well, you know, the Buddha's like, oh yeah, you know, that's, that's nice, you know? And then, (laughs) uh, so, so he's like, show me your power, you know, if you can, you can walk on water and, you know, the Buddha just kind of ignores him. And then the yogi proceeds to get uh, on the water and while they're waiting for the ferry and, uh, and he proceeds to walk across, you know, the, the ocean and they, you know, him and his disciples, you know, get on the ferry and they make their way over there. And, you know, this guy walked across the water, so it took him a while. So they get there about the same time. And <clears> then, uh, you know, the disciples are like, why, you know, you can do that. You know, you're, you're the Lord Buddha. Like why, why would you not sh- show this, you know, this braggart, you know, that, that he's not as special as he thinks he is. And, and the Buddha just simply says like, you know, uh, you know how he asked the Yogi, like how long did you spend, you know, devoting sadhana and, uh, and practicing and, and putting all of this effort and energy." into learning how to walk on water. And, you know, and, and the, and the yogi is like, you know, I, I spent 35 years, you know, and he's all proud of like all the work he put in. And the Buddha said, what you spent 35 years learning to master and develop, I give just a couple coins and I ride <laughs> over and don't have to do that work. You wasted your time, you wasted your energy.
0: <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> I was thinking that I don't know that one, but I was thinking that I was like well, it only took them it took them the same yeah, like, and they didn't have to work their butts off for it and do all the walking. Gould. <laughs> yeah, collectively we already solved that problem. Right? <laughs> <We
1: both. laughs> it was like why would you want to learn like the fire casino and like master, you know, how to conjure fire from your palm which could take you decades to do when you can go to the store and for a couple dollars, you know, buy buy a book of matches or, or have a lighter.
0: 50 cents.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know.
0: Oh, that's really great. Yes. I know. I love it. It's funny. It's like it's like uh the Buddha, he's I sometimes feel like I don't know if I could ever not that I'm comparing myself to Buddha, but I'm like, could I ever do that? Because sometimes he just seems so sarcastic. <laughs> but then on the other hand, I'm like, I would love to live that deeply sarcastically too.
1: <laughs> but it's like like to to be that kind of sarcastic, it's like it it sells itself as just being genuine. And well, it, that's you know. the thing.
0: It's not just well because yeah, you, a lot of times sarcasm is to actually create separation. But when when in fact what's happening is he's interrupting. He's actually shifting. He's doing neurolinguistic programming, isn't he? Yeah, <laughs> he's yeah, like, pretty much. He's like asking a question that makes them go what you know and breaks up some of that thought form energy that's around you know that's kind of clogging stuff up. But you know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't guess I'm. My vibration is high enough. I would be. I would just be sarcastic. I would just be a little snot.
1: <laughs> yeah, I. I just kind of. I stick to using, um, you know, uh, like metaphors and and, mm-hmm. and, and, and you yes. know things of that nature to just kind of try to to give the portrayal or something.
0: Because mm-hmm.
1: uh, I feel like I'm not. I'm not clever in the way of sarcasm. If, if I try. If I try to do sarcasm, then. I just come off as being mean.
0: (laughs) Well, and you know, sometimes in a session, a client, I'll ask them a question and I'm genuinely wanting to know, but they'll think it's some kind of like Buddha question. They'll be like, um, yeah, see, you always get me. And I'm like, (laughs) no, I was really, I don't know. (laughs) I'm not being clever. (laughs) I'm not using NLP on purpose.
1: (laughs) They're like, no, I I really do want to know about this.
0: (laughs) So maybe it happens to me accidentally sometimes. I'm just channeling. Okay. Do you want to hear my fairy attunement? The the one that, because it did actually just, you want to hear it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Here we go. So now the thing is you're going to have to feel some of it because there's um there's an interchange of, it's like, what do you call it? There's homonyms. So you're going to, but without reading it, then you can just feel the homonyms for yourself. So, the, okay. All right. Here we go. This is see the sprite. I am a sprite called sea. What do you see when you see my name? Do you see your sight or collections of rain? Do you feel like you could float like a boat or to fly? Do you find yourself seeking and peeking for surprise? A reality is true if you disbelieve in lies, like the color of a butterfly's wing when she flies. Find me in your heart or in your eye or in the sea. It matters not to me just as long as you are free. Free is all that's real if you choose it to feel. Free is your soul and your light, your appeal. When you feel like you're lost or like you can't see how to find yourself home like a dolphin in the sea, call on me the sprite, the one they call sea. I'll feel the feelings with you and together we'll be free. That's it.
1: Mm-hmm. Does it feel like
0: a fairy to you? It's all like, all around, all weird. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, it has that um I call it um
0: Misdirect. It's got a lot of misdirect. I think it's like oh, float, and that's floaty yeah.
1: kind of uh, not not quite hollow, not dense, but it's like energy can be so hard to describe. I find, mm-hmm. and um, I just know that there are certain textures where I'm just like, okay, like I know this is a malevolent spirit, or I know this is a ghost, or you, you know, it's like mm-hmm. I just yeah. know when I feel it, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I've felt that before. <laughs> so.
0: mm-hmm. texture that's how i always describe it too when i'm talking about like feeling different at, at eight like dimensions or something or what kind of entity it is i'm like well there's a different texture of energy yeah so the texture there felt like watery floaty or something yeah i think it's a sea sprite but it would you make know.
1: sense <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> because i just heard, so it came about because i heard it feels kind of masculine. I'm not really sure, but I'll just say he, I heard his name. He gave me the name C, but I heard it. So I didn't see it written. And I was like, which C S E E or S E A. And then that's when it just all, all started coming. Well, what do you see when you see my name? <laughs> that's how it oh. started. And it yeah. just was like all this misdirect <laughs> and playing and like, but then feeling as well. So yeah, anyway. that,
1: it, it sounded very fake. It doesn't sound like your, um, typical speech uh um, like mine or like yeah. ones
0: uh, yeah no i don't go around talking like the black, like color of a butterfly's wing when she flies out oh, maybe <laughs> yeah, no, uh, maybe if i'm really high
1: <laughs> like, trisha are you in there
0: <laughs> yeah no it's really fun um, i'll have more of those coming up we'll see what happens with it because it just feels like oh and then and then i also had it was right so i had them all of those fey like telling me their name and kind of, but I was, I wasn't able to capture it. You know, uh, I was just hearing it and all these different, um, different kinds of messages coming through like that. And I didn't have a chance to jot any of it down, but then the next day I had a reading and it was like, okay, there are three fairies here for you. And they had like, their names were three F words, F sounding words. And the client, before I could even like start to say what they were here for, started cracking up and said, Oh, I met a fairy. The only fairy I've ever really met is is named Fan. And so it's another F name. And I was like, okay, well, I don't know. Fairies are wanting to come and talk about some things lately. But there's such again, they're like that little fractalized energy of of nature, of Gaia, and I love it. It's really fun. Yeah.
1: Yeah, they're they're kind of like the um Oh, what would you what would you call it? Uh It's like the ambassadors.
0: Ah, exactly. That's exactly what I call it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, in yeah. my classes,
0: I'm laughing because that's exactly what I call it in my classes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, you know, it, it, if it walks like a duck, you know. <laughs> yeah.
0: All right. Well, this has been amazing. Oh my gosh, I can't believe how long we've been going. Is what uh, we have a, your your details in the description? Of course. Is there anything else that's coming up? Anything that you want the listeners to know about to connect with you on?
1: Uh yeah, so there is um a uh, discourse, I guess would be the proper term for it, um coming up in March, and it's called um you know what what the bleep uh, is spirituality, mm-hmm. and it's uh, going to be a- its own platform, and I've been invited to be a um, guest speaker for uh what is ego and shadow among a panel of other guests from all over the world we have um you know professionals from you know Sweden and Belgium and there's there's actually there's a guy from Cairo that will be on the panel list as well and these are all just like I'm I'm very humbled to uh be invited onto this as a um, guest expert because all the people who are in the lineup I mean they they've been working in their respective fields for decades and they're considered to be very, you know, professionally sought out uh, for mm-hmm. their services and their expertise. And, and it's basically just a breaking down of all the aspects of what we call spirituality. Like there's a, what the belief is meditation, um, what the belief is divinity, you know? And, and so it's like, it's this whole thing. And, and I get to cover the panel of, what is ego and what is shadow. So wow. that is something that I'm really excited for. So if somebody wants to just kind of look up what the bleep is spirituality, um, they can find, you know, uh, or what the bleep sadhuda, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it'll, you know, it's not out yet. But they're still working on on the website, completing it, but we pretty much have everything set for all the recording and everything. Uh, awesome. And then my, um, my amulet shop, I've uh, just recently um introduced like a whole new line of different spirit statues that i've been working on Mm -hmm. and i have just um you know all these really really cool things and uh i did something uh recently a little bit different and that was um i i decided to take the prices of what they are valued at and actually put them into just what respects me and um you know, what, what I paid for material and uh, honoring my time, but not, um, what they could be truly valued at. So yeah. I've, I've made my amulets very affordable. My amulets, as some people might be aware, I used to charge several hundred dollars up to a thousand or more for some of the amulets that I would make. And, um, people, people love them and people swear by them. So now those same amulets are going for like 50 to 60 bucks. So something to take advantage of.
0: (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. There's a sale. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's amazing. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. We will everyone keep that in mind. And then of course we have all of your other information and this has been just such a great day to spend with you. Thank you so much for being here again.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Thank you, Tricia. And uh, we'll be in touch about that workshop and the uh, duo, uh, me gabriel and uh, and and you um episode yes yes
0: everyone stay tuned for that we're gonna do it we really will <laughs> <laughs> and there you have it that is this episode with the saruda and we we really did after we hit stop we brainstorm some ideas about a workshop that we want to bring to the world so keep you know keep your ears open for that and i want to also while i have you i want to invite you to please um, you know share this with anyone that you think might enjoy it the podcast this episode any and all of it i want to invite you to also follow me on instagram and that's at Car and and then, of course, I would really love it if you would leave a review on the podcast. That helps so much to boost our light quotient, both the light quotient of the podcast, as well as our light quotient in our relationship one to another. Well, also, you can, of course, check the links in the description for all of the fun goodies that we talked about with the Sadhu Da. And that is this episode, everyone. I really appreciate you. Thanks for tuning in. I love you, whoever you are. <laughs>